you are the great I am. You are everything we need. You say, I am your savior. I am your healer. I am your provider. I am your deliverer. I am your righteousness, your peace, your shepherd. I will lead you. I will guide you. I am everything you need. That's what you say to us, Lord. And we open wide the gates of our hearts. And we say, Lord, everything that we have is yours. Everything you have is ours. What a wonderful deal you invite us into. We thank you, we worship you, and we rejoice in you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people shouted, give God a shout in the house, church. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Well, it's summertime, apparently, and uh, it's the school vacations, and we kind of change up uh, what we do a little bit um, as people are away and staff members are away and everything as well. And this, so over the school vacation, over July and August, basically, over July and August, I'm going to be speaking three times. Not together, there'll be spaces between them, but uh, I want to stick to the same topic over those three occasions. And so, I've called this message Stressed Out. Everybody say Stressed Out. Do you know the Bible has a lot to say about the subject of stress and anxiety and peace of mind and managing our emotions? And uh, we're going to be taking a look over the three times that I'll be speaking about the advice, good, solid advice that the Bible gives us on, first of all, how to deal with and be healed from and be liberated from the, the uh, kind of tyranny of stress in our life. And then once we're rid of it, how to walk in a, a sense of inner peace, even when things on the outside don't look good. Like, I hope that you connect the worship songs we sing with real life. I hope you don't stand here and sing, in your presence, I am unaffected by all the storms around me. And then you walk out and you think, I don't know what I'm going to do about all the storms in my life. You're unaffected by them if you're walking in the peace of God. And so we want to get to that stage. But let me just say something about stress. I'm talking about unhealthy stress, not healthy stress. We do need a certain amount of stress. Um, so for instance, if uh, you are at college and you have done a big long course and the final exams are coming up soon and you, you look at the calendar and you realize how close the exams are and how underprepared you feel it produces a little bit of stress. Enough stress to motivate you to do something about your lack of preparedness to study. So if you don't have any stress, you won't do anything. Sloths don't have any stress. <laughs> I mean like, they just hang around. And have you ever seen videos of them crossing a busy road? I mean, it's scary. Not for them, they don't care. 
to give to us. <laughs> and there's all these trucks coming down. They're not stressed. You don't, you're not a sloth. The Bible never advises us to look at the sloths and take, a, take advice from them, but it does advise us to look at the ants who are busy and fruitful and productive and take advice from them. And so you don't want to just become a lazy person, a person lacking in motivation, a person with no inspiration for life at all, that you're just sitting it out. You know, I think I told you the story once before about this businessman. Well, actually, he was a, he was a public speaker, like a motivational speaker, and he was uh, in Calcutta to speak at a conference, and he was in his hotel, and every day when he looked out of his hotel, he saw a beggar sitting down, you know, just outside the hotel. And so one day as he was going out, he thought he would go over and give some money to him. And he, he kind of felt sorry for him. And he said to him, how did you become a beggar? How did, did life deal you a bad blow or something like that? And he said, no, no, nothing like that, nothing like that. You see, in my religion, we believe in reincarnation. And so I think I'm going to come back again and again and again. So I just decided to sit this one out, he said. <laughs> Imagine God giving you the gift of life and you choose to sit it out. Lots of people do that, but might not verbalize it the way that the guy did. And so we do need a little bit of healthy stress. It provides motivation and it makes us become active and change circumstances that we don't want to put up with. But I'm talking about unhealthy stress. I'm talking about anxiety. And I'm talking about the things that can affect your health. Let's just read a verse from the, the book of Isaiah just to start us off. And this is what God says in Isaiah 41. He says, do not fear. Now, the Bible says quite a lot of do nots. Do not commit murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. I'm sure you're all keeping these ones, I hope. But what about the one that says, do not fear? Are you keeping that one? Do not fear. Yeah, but you don't know what's happening in my life. Yeah, but you don't know who's with you in your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look around you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will. Now, God is not just speaking to somebody called Shirley here. For those of you old enough to remember airplane and all that stuff. You know, God is always telling us the truth. He, never, he doesn't trick us. So the fact that he is saying surely before that, he is doubly emphasizing that we can trust him. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, for I will hold you by your right hand, and I say to you, do not be afraid, for I am here to help you. Now, see if we could just believe that. We could shut up shop right now and go home, and that would be all done. But I've got a feeling I've got a little bit more convincing to do with some of you about the problems of anxiety and stress. Let me tell you uh, about a conversation I had once. I was speaking to um, a doctor, a naturopathic doctor, and 
he was talking to me, this was a long time ago, but he was talking to me about the subject of stress and how stress affects your adrenal glands and, and how it affects your nervous system and all the different parts of your body and all the different health. In fact, really what he was saying to me was the vast majority of health problems, if they're not caused by stress, they're made a lot worse by stress that the stress that we live with under our modern world, in our modern society, is literally killing us. And then it, is, it was describing to me how the body is designed. And he said this, he said the human body is designed to cope with very, very, very high levels of stress for short periods of time. So, for instance, it's designed to, you're out walking through the woods and a big grizzly bear comes out. It is appropriate to feel stressed, okay? <laughs> so you see the big grizzly bear coming out, especially if it's holding the leg of the last jogger that went through <laughs> and it's cheap. And that stress, that so he, what, that, this is how he described it. He said, you're designed to feel so stressed for a short period of time that it enables you to outrun the grizzly bear. What we are not designed for is a little stress drip, drip, dripping into our lives every day, every week, every month, and every year for decades. We are not designed to cope with that. And in fact, the type of stress we are designed to cope with is actually good for us. It makes your heart beat a little bit faster. It's exhilarating. It releases adrenaline and all of that kind of stuff. You see the big grizzly bear and you run. And then once it's all over and you're calming down, you're laughing with your friend. Oh, that was a close one. <laughs> oh, wow. Could you believe that? I wish we'd got a, that on video. No one will believe that. It's not a big deal. You've got over it. The stress has passed. It actually doesn't even matter how intense it was. It was for a short period of time and it's passed. Now, you might have a nightmare about it or something like that. There might be a residue, but it's not going to affect, adversely affect your health. But we live under silly stress, small stress, traffic stress getting to work on time stress, completing deadlines, getting home exhausted and finding out that your kids have got five different types of homework to finish before the morning. And all of that kind of stress. Small things. You know the saying, don't sweat the small stuff? And, and, and then it usually says, and it's all small stuff. But actually that's a problem in our society. Everything is small stuff. And so all the stuff that we have to deal with are lots of little things rather than one big thing. And so our bodies are continually have this drip, drip, drip effect of stress going on in our life. Now, what I want to look at over the three times I'm talking is how we can reverse the stress how we can reverse the stress in our life. And there's three ways, three things we can do to do that. Number one, we need to learn how to calm down, how to like 
decompress. And because when we're stressed out, it's like one of these pressure cookers. You know, if you leave the pressure cooker on and if the little, that little valve is jammed on it, eventually the pressure cooker will blow up. I once had a friend, I went into, when I was a kid, I went into his house and the, his kitchen ceiling was purple. I had a whole purple mark on it. And I said, what happened there? And he said, my mother opened the pressure cooker while she was cooking beetroots. <laughs> And it became like an anti-tank missile, you know? <laughs> You've got to and let the stress out first. We need to learn how to calm down. And once we've learned how to calm down, the second secret is we need to learn how to observe our thoughts because once we learn how to observe our thoughts, you see, Jesus didn't say your thoughts belong to you. He said, You're, you can choose to take a thought or not take it. That's for another week. I'm not, I better not get into it. That's observe your thoughts. And then once we've done that, we can learn to change our emotional state. But we're going to look at those other two in another week. Today, I just want to talk about learning how to calm down. Learning how to calm down. I was speaking with uh, Carol George, you know, the Christian author, and church coach who, who was with us last year. I was speaking with him a few months ago and he was telling me that he, was, he had had a conversation with this guy that is regarded as the top expert in the United States for veterans, to help veterans who have post-traumatic stress disorder. And so he, he was asking this guy, well, what, what is it like? What is the best way to help people? And the man was explaining that there's lots of therapies, lots of techniques, lots of practical things you can do. And, but he said, at the end of the day, when someone has PTSD, and it's not only people who have had a shocking trauma that can get that, but doctors tell us that even that drip, drip, drip effect of stress over a few years can cause somebody eventually to, ha to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. So they've got the post-traumatic stress and they're continuing to live with the drip, drip stress as well. So we can all learn from this. So this expert said to Carol, what we've discovered is that if somebody wants to recover from PTSD, there are three things they need. There's maybe different techniques or different circumstances or therapies, or maybe that person, a dog helps them, and this one, a dog doesn't help them. You know, there's all those kinds of things, but everybody needs three things. Number one, they need community. They need other people around them. Number two, they need solitude. They need to be able to spend time with themselves. And number three, they need simplicity. They need to make sure that th their lives are not complicated, that there is nothing, there's nothing in their life that it is structured smoothly so that they are not facing obstacles that are adding to the stress that they're already trying to get rid of. And you know, as I thought about that, I thought, I think every single one of us need all three of those things. In fact, the Bible advises us that we need all three. All of us need other people. 
We need to be part of a community. No man is an island. Nobody can do everything on their own. You can't do everything on your own. If you think you don't need anybody, then next time, well, I'll go out into the woods and live on my own. Right. I'm going to take a box of matches with me to light a fire. Oh, that's interesting. Because you didn't chop down the trees, turn them into little matchsticks, dip them in sulfur. Somebody else made, every time you strike a match, somebody else is serving you. Have you ever thought about that? Every time you put gas in your car, well, I'm doing it myself. Yeah, you didn't go and drill an oil well and find oil and refine it. Everybody in this world is interconnected with everybody else in this world. And we need people in our lives. And we need community. We need other people who will surround us and support us. We also need to be alone. Sometimes people who suffer from anxiety or stress don't like to be alone. But you will not heal unless you spend some time in solitude. And I think every one of us, if we were to examine our life, would find that we don't have a good plan in place for our regular everyday activities to make our life as simple as possible, you know? You know, like, I, I used to not be good at getting up in the morning at all. And I discovered that it saved me a lot of stress if I laid my clothes out the night before. <sighs> That's not, doesn't sound very spiritual, but you want to know something? I looked and acted and felt a heck of a lot more spiritual the whole next day because I started it without any stress, ironing things and all of that simplicity. Let's just have a look at these three things quickly. Number one, community. Everybody shout community. This is what we call in the Bible the one another's. There, there are 59 times in the New Testament that it tells us love one another, honor one another, respect one another, serve one another, Pray for one another, greet one another, be kind to one another, forgive one another, teach one another, and encourage one another. If you don't have another person around you, then you don't have anybody to do all that kind of stuff. Now, if you've got lots of people around you, but they're not doing that stuff, they're pulling you down, they're criticizing you, they're, they're adding to the stress in your life, that is not a community that you've got. Okay, that's not a community. That's like a gang or something like that. You want to leave that and find a community of good people. Hey, listen, we have lots of communities here at Gateway that you can get involved with. If you're African, you can get in contact with the African community. If you're Filipino, with the Filipino community. If men, with the men's community. Women, with the women. Youth, with the youth. Or a new believers, with the Alpha course. If you're married, with the marriage course. If you don't know where to start, we've got a pastor of community. For heaven's sake, you've got no reason not to be part of a community. Now, Maybe you say, well, I, I, I'm doing fine. I don't need anybody to do all that stuff in my life. But maybe they need you to do it in their life. 
Maybe they have reached their all-time stress level and they need you. Let's look at another verse about community, what it looks like in the Bible. It says this, take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. I want you to imagine that you were stressed, that you were anxious, that you weren't quite coping in life, and then you found yourself part of a community where people treated you like this. Show hospitality to them. Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset, thinking you're too important to serve others. But be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Wouldn't that be a fantastic community to be a part of? Don't you think we should model our community here in Gateway on this passage of Scripture here? Can you imagine all the people who would find relief and help and redemption in a community where they were accepted and loved like that? So the first thing that everybody needs is what? What is it? The second thing people need is solitude. It's great to be around people, but you need to be on your own. Here's what Psalm 94 says. When anxiety filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. That's spending time with God. You need to spend time with God. Do you remember an old hymn? I can't remember what it was called. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do you remember that? Remember that? Have you worries and temptations? How does it go? We need a Baptist to help us out here. You're an old Baptist. How does the song go? Yes, what a friend we have in Jesus. Don't sing it, just tell me the line. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It's like I'm carrying this big weight, and then I can put it down, I can give it to God in prayer, and anxiety no longer fills my mind. Do you know what I've got instead? Hope and cheer. Tell the person next to you, cheer up. Go ahead and tell them that. Not only do we need to spend time with God in prayer, but we also need to spend time with ourselves to process our thoughts. Here's here's what it says in Philippians. It says this. It says, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I've taken everything to God in prayer. I've laid it down at his feet. His peace has come into me. Whew, that was good. Now, how do I keep that peace? It's not just spending time with God, but it's also spending time correcting my thoughts. How do I keep that peace? And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise then not only will the peace of God be with you, but the God of peace will be with you. Can you say amen, church? Finally, we need, we need community, we need solitude, we need simplicity. We need to simplify our life. And can I encourage you to also simplify your faith? Goodness, if you were to go by all the videos on YouTube telling you what you should believe and what's important and you, should, you need to eat kosher food and you need to build a fallout shelter to hide from the Antichrist and you need this and you need that. I mean, your faith becomes so complex and so confusing. I mean, you wouldn't believe, you wouldn't believe the messages pastors get. Things like, is it okay to get a blood transfusion or will God be angry? You know, all these kind of, it's like, really, really? Do you know what Paul says? I am afraid, however, that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be led astray from the what? Simplicity of pure devotion to Christ. It is good to think about what you believe and work through your doctrines and come to a conclusion about things. But the ultimate goal of that is to live a life of simple faith and trust in God, not live a complicated rule-based life. It only produces more stress. It produces more stress. And so let's get rid of the rules and let's let God himself rule in our hearts and lives. That's simplifying our faith. We also need to simplify our life. Our last verse says this. Make it your ambition to interfere in everyone's business and call people out on Facebook. Is that what it says? Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life you should mind your own freaking business and work with your hands just as we said before. And all God's people said, Amen. let's stand together. We're going to pray. Come on. I want to pray for us today, and I just want to pray for us that we will do the first thing that we will go to our friend and we will take all of our griefs and our anxieties and our worries and our cares to him in prayer and we're gonna lay them down. And when you leave here, you should feel 20 pounds lighter and three inches taller. <laughs> okay, come on, let's put our hands out and close our eyes. I want to pray for all of us today. Father God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would begin a 
deep, deep work within us, in our hearts, our minds, in our thoughts, our memories, things that keep coming back to haunt us or to aggravate and irritate us, problems that we're facing that we feel overwhelmed by today. People who have said hurtful things to us or about us. Phobias and anxieties. Emotions and feelings. We bring it all to you, Lord. We gather all that stuff up as if we gather it in a big basket and we bring it to the throne room of God. We bring it to the king of the universe. We bring it to the person who exchanges old for new. We bring all this stuff, Lord, and we lay it down at your feet. And we exchange our worries and our stresses, our anxieties and our cares for your peace, your joy, your hope, your inspiration, and your enthusiasm. Come and fill us and flood us and renew us and strengthen us and bless us today, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said,